and Brother Mark uh, is, is asking that we announce uh, a youth event coming up May 14th that will be at his house, and that will be at 6 p.m. It is going to be Bring Your Own Cereal Night, and uh, so whatever your favorite cereal is, it'll be a good time, and there will be a lot of fun. Don't worry, he'll provide milk, but uh, if you need oat milk or some fancy milk, you go ahead and bring that yourself too. Uh, plastic bowls and spoons so we can uh, make sure that we don't make too much of a mess in Brother Mark's house. And so if you have any questions, please reach out to him, and uh, he'll be sure to answer any of those for you. I also want to say that it's good to have the Johnsons back in church, back home from vacation. Amen. And also good to have Brother and Sister Machado back. Now they've been moving like crazy, burning the candle at both ends. And uh, glad that season's coming to an end in Jesus' name. Good to have them back in church. Exodus chapter 21, and we're going to begin verse number 1. Now I have felt God just moving on me over and over again to just start operating in this subject and uh, I want to do my best to continue in the vein that I feel uh, that God is leading me but also God is leading our church amen and then also it's good to have Jordan in the house of God with us I just noticed amen he's back in church amen so I want to do my best to present amen another why amen uh, before we ever get to the what I want to answer the why Amen. Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath given him a wife... And she hath borne him sons or daughters. The wife and her children shall be her masters. And he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out for free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. And he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore through his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. If he came in by himself, he's free to leave by himself. If he came in with a wife, he's free to leave with that wife. But if he came in by himself and the master blessed him, he doesn't get to take any of those with him. He goes out by himself. But if he shall plainly say, I love my master, he'll serve him forever. And I want to preach, teach, preach, screech, all of that on this question. Do you love the Master? Do you love the Master? Would you set down your Bibles? Would you pray with us here today? I feel the Holy Ghost 
Amen. All day in the church, I felt the Holy Ghost from the day I, the moment I walked up, drove up to the building. I feel like this is going to be one of those services for somebody that forever changes your forever. Oh, come on, somebody pray in this house. God, I pray for this word that it would be a blessing and not a curse, that it would help and not hinder. God, open up my, my ears that I might receive what you have spoken to me, God, and open up all of our ears that we can receive it. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Do you love the Master? The verses that I have read, much like other verses in the Old Testament, if taken out of context of Scripture, have been used and abused through history. Uh, many of these verses have negative connotations, really because people have read them but not fully read the context, not understood what they are talking about. These verses that I read here tonight can actually be quite controversial because in the King James Version, it would say the word servant. But if we were to read it in its actual context, the word would translate slave, slavery. This has been used and abused uh, to try to prove that the Bible is pro-slavery. Some of you have gone as far as to blame the Bible for slavery itself. But all you'd have to do is read the first few chapters of your Bible, and you will find that slavery did not start with Israel. Slavery started in Egypt. Abraham goes to Egypt, and he comes out, amen, with a slave by the name of Hagar. Uh, it was a worldly principle and idea. In fact, uh, one of the reasons that Joseph made it into Egypt is that he was sold as a slave to a band of Ishmaelites. Amen. A mistake of Abraham to produce Ishmael, and it subsequently it led them into bondage and into slavery. And we know the story that for 430 years or so that Israel served as slaves in the land of Egypt. And so uh, it, would, it would not make a lot of sense for God to bring them out from slavery to have them go and start enslaving people. Amen. This concept was quite different. Amen. It was much of what Paul did when he talked about slaves of his day. He looked at it trying to find the Christian response and, and tried to find the humanitarian act to try to bridge what the gospel was really saying about being free indeed and living in a modern world, amen, that did not believe and line up with scriptural ideals. And here in this text, we're not seeing pro-slavery. In fact, we're seeing quite the opposite. This would be more likened unto indentured servitude. It had a time limit. It had, amen, seven years, six years of slavery. And on the seventh year, they went out free for nothing. Amen, it doesn't take much for us to link this up. Amen, that it is a typology of us living our lives in sin. Amen, but Jesus shows up and he sets us free for nothing. Amen. I want you to know here tonight that, that your redemption came at a very high price, but it was not a price that you or I paid for. 
It came at the sacrifice of Jesus. It cost him every drop of blood, but it cost you and I absolutely nothing. We got to walk out free for nothing. We were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or as gold. We were not bought with something that you can sell on the market today, but we were bought with a price, amen, at the blood of Jesus. Somebody give him praise. Amen. Ultimately, God was trying to put a cap or a limit on this. He was trying to present a better way. Amen. Again, the Old Testament is not a symbol of perfection. In fact, it's a type and a shadow. It's not even, it's not even the very image of the thing. It's not even the ideal. Amen. The Old Testament is just showing forth some truths that will point us directly to Jesus. Amen. The Bible tells us in our text that it's speaking of a servant. Amen. A slave. There were four basic ways where a Hebrew might become a slave to another Hebrew. Number one, if they were in extreme poverty, they could sell their liberty. We find this happening when Jacob is running from Esau. He only has a little cruise of oil and the food he took with him. And he ends up at Laban's house and he saw a beautiful girl by the name of Rachel. And the Bible says he, he indentured himself as a slave to his soon-to-be father-in-law for seven years that he might marry Rachel. He was so in love. The Bible says it was but a few days to him. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was hooked. Hallelujah. But he continued on in that servanthood, in that slave way, if you will, that indentured servanthood. Amen. He went in there because he had nothing else to offer. So he offered himself, amen, to receive a wife. He offered himself to receive another wife. He offered himself to receive cattle. He offered himself to receive money. And then he left with it all. Amen. Another way where there, there's an opportunity for indentured servant, servitude is that a father might sell his daughter as a servant to a home with the intention that she would eventually marry into the family. Amen. We find this just a couple verses after ours. Amen. Uh, this was a symbol that she's going to go and get to be part of the family and, and eventually get married. I, I don't know if you see it yet, but there's a lot of preach right there that uh, we are not yet, amen, married to Jesus, but we are a spouse to Christ. Hallelujah. That we are, we are, we are, we are joining the family. Amen. That we are, we are going to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We hadn't got there yet, but amen. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise. You became a servant in the case of bankruptcy. You might become a servant of your creditors. We find this, amen, in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1, we find the woman where the, the husband died and left her in debt, and so the sons were about to be sold to the creditors. Uh, and, and then finally, if a thief had nothing in which he could pay proper restitution, he was to become a slave or a servant. But the Bible says they were to serve for six 
years. This was not to be a permanent situation. This was, amen, maybe you came because you had nothing else to do, but you are to serve for six years. Amen, maybe it was you weren't trying to find a spouse, but you came and you got a spouse, amen, out of the deal, but you worked for six years for that spouse, and maybe you were in debt and you couldn't pay back that which you owed, amen, and you became a servant for the fact that you were in debt. Maybe you were a thief. Maybe you stole and you you had no way to pay back that which you owed. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I read the gospel through and through. I see it over and over again. Those of us that when we came to God, we had nothing. Amen. And so we, we said, God, I don't have anything to offer you. So all I can offer you is me. I don't have anything to lay on this altar, but I can lay my life on this altar. There's people that said, God, uh, amen, I, I just want I just want to know you. I want to be intimate with you. Uh, I want to get to that level where I can go to heaven uh, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want I don't want to just be with Jesus for a moment, uh, but I want to live with Jesus forever. Uh, I see other people here tonight, uh, amen, that you came, you were so in debt, you were so bankrupted uh, by sin and by your mistakes, uh, amen, that when you came to Jesus, uh, amen, you said, I'm so in debt. Uh, if I could just serve you, I know you'll wipe it all away. There's other people here tonight uh, that said, I have lied, cheated, and stole. I have been the worst kind of human being uh, known to man. Uh, and I came to Jesus, uh, and when I showed up, I couldn't make it right. Uh, I made the mistake, but I couldn't make the mistake right. Uh, and you showed up, and you said, Jesus, uh, if you would just let me serve you, uh, I know you're going to wash it all away. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, I see folks in the scriptures here today. I see everyone sitting on the pews. You might have come, amen, because you had nothing else to do. You might have showed up because of your wrongdoings. You might have showed up because you were bankrupt. Or you might have showed up because you were looking for love. But regardless of what it was, you showed up to the house of God. Oh, somebody magnified Jesus. The Bible says that they were to serve for six years. They were to be fed. They were to be clothed. They were to be taken care of. And in the seventh year, they shall go out free, and they will pay for nothing. Amen. In all of the four above cases that we mention, the servitude was never obligated to be lifelong. The Hebrew servant worked for six years, and then he was given an opportunity to go free. You might have come bankrupt, but all of a sudden after six years, all your debts are paid and you've got an opportunity to go free. You might have showed up looking for love, but you are finally given an opportunity to go free. Uh, you might have showed up, amen, because you had done something wrong, but now every wrong has been righted and you are free to go. You might have showed up because you had nothing better to do, but after six years, uh, you found a lot of things you could do rather than serve Jesus. And there will come opportunities. Uh, where you can get up out of this church. Uh, you can get up out of serving God. Uh, amen. The door is wide open and you are free to go for nothing because it was never obligated that it be lifelong. You were served for six years and then you were set free. This was an indentured laborer for six years. 
this servitude could extend only to the six years. Amen. This is much like an apprenticeship. You'd go and you'd serve the master until you learned the trade that you needed to learn. Amen. A careful consideration of them will show that ultimately they were going to abolish slavery, that they were going to train, they were going to get people out of debt. Amen. And they were going to set them free. It was never meant to be permanent. Amen. It was more likened unto covenanted labor. Amen. But then the Bible says this, if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, his wife shall go out with him. At the end of six years, the servant went out with that which he came in with. Amen. When you leave Jesus, you have every right to do it. Even after all debts are paid, even after everything he's done for you, you are free to go. You are no longer bound. You don't have to be here if you don't want to be. Amen. But when you go, the Bible says you go out with what you came in with. That when you leave the house of God, you never go out holding on to everything that the master gave you. But you leave with the very things you came in with. I came to preach to somebody. Uh, amen. Can I preach? Uh, amen. There's some folks uh, that have decided uh, that they don't love the master uh, and they want to go out with every blessing uh, the master ever gave them. Uh, but I got news for you here tonight. Uh, the master wants his stuff back. Hallelujah. Have you ever wondered uh, why I've, I've never seen somebody backslide and get better? I've only seen people leave God and their life. It might take 20 years. Amen. But before it's all said and done, the very moral fiber of their life, the foundation they built on Jesus Christ, amen, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, the foundation, that when they leave that, everything becomes shifting sand. And now morality is relative and now I can do whatever I want. Oh, somebody give you God praise here tonight. Come on, let's magnify him. Amen. I'm worried because I'm looking at Pentecost, amen, as a whole. I traveled for many years, uh, and I went place by place, uh, and people that came to God with nothing, uh, they came to God broke, they came to God in debt, uh, they came to God distressed, uh, they came to God lonely, uh, they came to God loveless, uh, amen, and after a few years, they finally got enough uh, of a big head that they don't need God anymore, uh, and they look at the church and say, what are you to me? Uh, they look at the ministry and say, I don't need you anymore more. Uh, they look at everybody. They think, I don't really like that song. And all of a sudden, they've got an opinion. But when they first showed up, uh, they showed up broke. Uh, when they first showed up, they were broken. Uh, when they and now they want to go out free, uh, and they want to take with them uh, friends. I, I think it's interesting uh, that when people leave church, they never want to leave the people that they didn't like in the church. Uh, they want to take everybody with them. Uh, but I got news for you. Uh, when you came to church with nothing, uh, you leave with nothing. Come on, I'm preaching to a 21st century church that thinks I can have my cake and eat it too. No, you can't. Amen. You either get the church, you buy the treasure and the field. You've got to sell everything and buy it all. It's all or nothing, honey. Oh, somebody give God praise. Come on. 
When you leave God, you leave it all behind. You leave behind the moral fibers that you found at the altar. You leave behind the convictions you had. It might take a while, but the erosion will happen. And little by little, you'll start looking at things that God delivered you out of. Amen. As a dog returns to its vomit, and you'll think, that sure sounds appetizing. But I've come to preach to you. Amen. You don't have to leave with nothing. You don't have to walk out on God or his church and go back to the way you were. Oh, somebody give God praise. Amen. If you came to church, amen, and you were single, and God gave you a wife, shame on you, amen, for walking out on God. If you came to church broke and all of a sudden your job takes you away from God, shame on you. If you came to church lonely and now you got friends and you got to hang out with people during church times, shame on you. Amen. Because ultimately you're saying, I don't want the master. I want the blessings of the master. We've got to be careful in the 21st century because there is a faux Christianity that loves the blessings but doesn't want none of the responsibility. Oh, I love all the master's done for me, but, but I don't really like master's rules. Oh, hallelujah. I love all the master has blessed me with, but I don't really, I don't really want to do what master says anymore. Hey Amen. If you, if you came in with nothing, you left with nothing. Hey Amen. The Bible says he left by himself. This little translates uh, with his back. Bare back. You don't even leave with the clothes on your back. You came in with nothing. You leave with nothing. Amen. I've just got to preach this for a little while. I, I'm going to get to loving the master in a moment. But, but you can, it's possible, amen, to, to still be in the house but have left in your mind. Amen. Because it goes down to whether or not you love the master. Amen. It's possible to still be in church. Amen. In the building, I should say, but not really be in the church as a whole. Amen. To be here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday to get and to love and enjoy all the worship. And man, that was great. But yet when the master comes by and convicts you, you say, you're not my master. The Bible says that no man, no woman can say that Jesus Christ is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That's not talking about, well, he's God. No, it's saying Lord. It means master. Nobody can say that Jesus is the Lord of their life unless they're walking in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you should not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I love the master, but I don't want to live by the master's rules. This is a prodigal son mentality. I, I love everything Father's house has for me, but I don't love the Father. Amen. I, I think it's possible to come to church, amen, week in and week out, service by service, amen, but never have the why of which you do it. Amen. I've come here today, amen, to preach to somebody about a why we live for God. We don't walk, we don't walk for God. We walk with God. Amen. We don't walk for God. We walk with God. Amen. When you came to church, you came broken and empty. Sure, you got money now. Sure, you got friends now. Sure, you got some freedoms now. But never forget where they came from. They came from the master. 
Last week we started the discussion on sanctification and holiness. We learned the why behind the law, the lines that are drawn in church and in our Christian walk. Amen. We are living in dangerous territory when we live without lines, when we live without borders, when we live without standards. Lines are always drawn for our protection and for our safety. It is for our benefit. It is for us and not against us. But tonight, I want to help us get our why when it comes to living the way that we live. Amen. God gives us commandments because he loves us. God draws lines in our life because he loves us. But we follow these commandments because we love God. Let me say that again. God gives us commandments because he loves us. But we follow those commandments because we love him. The Bible says, if the servant shall plainly say, amen, I get confused sometimes with the way people live and the way people talk about church and people in the church. Do you love the master or not? Can we make it plain? Are you in church or are you out of church? Are you living for God or are you not living for God? There's too much muddied waters where we don't know where you stand. Are you truly a Christian or not a Christian? Are you going to forgive or not forgive? Because that's what Jesus would do. Are you going to love or not love? Because that's what Jesus would do. Amen. It's got to be that moment where the servant plainly says, I love the master. There's got to be so much in you with love that you say, I love him, and I don't care who knows it. I love God, and I don't care who makes fun of me. I love God. You want to know why I dress the way I dress? I love the master. You want to know why I worship the way I worship? I love the master. You want to know why I come to church multiple nights? a week because I love the master. You want to know why I read this word because I love the master. You want to know why I pray because I love the master. You want to know why I fast because I love the master. You want to know why I love people because I love the master. Oh, somebody give God praise. Come on, let's magnify him. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Come on, do you love the master tonight? Make it plain. Come on, let's pray all across this house. I think it's a wonderful opportunity just to declare our love for God. Come on, God, nobody's twisting my arm. I love you, Jesus. Nobody's forcing me to be here. I love you, Jesus. Let me help somebody. This commitment was not motivated by debt or obligation. That was taken care of in the first six years. It was motivated by love. It was motivated by love of the master and love of what the master has provided for the servant. The master would then bring him to the judges and he would make it a public example. It was a public recognized ceremony that this servant was not coerced. I came to preach tonight. That the servant did not have their arm behind.
behind their back or a gun to their head. This was in public. Everybody could see that the servant was making a declaration regardless of the pain when the all went through his ear and it pierced right through him. Regardless of the shame he might endure for others that did not make the same decision. He was making a public declaration. He was making it public. He was making it plain. I've got a question. Do you love the master? Come on, do you love the master? When's the last time you made it plain? When's the last time you made it public? I love the master, and I don't care who knows it. The judges would then change the slave status from temporary to permanent by a ceremony at the doorpost of the master's house. Do you love the master? Come on, do you love the master tonight? You got to go to his house. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to people that are in his house tonight, so y'all should say amen. The master shall pierce his ear with an awl, with a, with a nail. This is a symbol, folks, of what Jesus did on Calvary. <laughs> amen. It was, not, it was not joining and getting a church card. Amen. That it was not shaking the preacher's hand that made you part of the church. Amen. It was when there was some piercing with a nail. Hallelujah. It was when there was some hammer and nail action. Amen. Over the house of God. I came to preach to somebody. Amen. It's a remarkable thing to think about that this ceremony was carried out. Amen. The servant is basically saying this. I know that I have fulfilled my obligation to my master. I know I have served him and I have paid back that which I owe. Yet I love my master and I am so grateful for all that he's done for me and what he has given me that I will gladly obligate myself not for a year, not for six years, but for the rest of my life. I'm not doing this out of debt. I'm not doing this out of shame. I'm not doing this on a guilt trip. I'm not doing this because I've been defeated. I'm not doing this because I'm lonely. But I am giving myself to the master because I plainly love my master. Oh, somebody give God praise here tonight. Come on, let's magnify him for a few moments. Come on, make it plain. Make it public. When you worship, what are you doing? You're saying, I love my master, and I don't care if I look like a fool. I'll break my alabaster box. When you come to church and people think you're crazy for giving your time to God, make it plain. Make it public. I love my master. Oh, somebody give him praise. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout. Come on. There's no gun to your head. Nobody's twisting your arm. You're in church tonight because you love the master. I want to answer the why. We do this because of our deep love for our master, our father, which is in heaven. We must start our Christian walk and every conviction that we hold and every line that we draw with the correct motivation because your why matters. I do not agree with people that say the ends justify the means. No, it doesn't. How you get somewhere is a big, it makes a big difference on getting there. You can get in the house, but you climb through the window, and the Bible says you're a thief and a robber. you got to come through the door. 
Let me help somebody here tonight. Uh, amen. If you come to God and your premise is of missing hell and you are motivated by fear, uh, you've got the wrong motivation. Uh, amen. And why you're living for God. Come on, can I preach to somebody? It might have been fear that got you in the church, but it should never be fear that keeps you in the church. It might have been fear because you were in debt that got you in this place, but fear's not enough to keep you in this place. It can't come on, somebody. Fear might have got you in here because you were afraid of dying without friends, but you should never let fear be your only motivation. Somebody give God praise here tonight. The Bible declares that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Uh, the Bible also declares that fear has torments. Uh, amen. I, I worry about people that living for God to them uh, is just tormenting them. Uh, amen. If you feel like you have to be here, uh, please do whatever it takes to get away from that mentality. Uh, amen. If you feel like, uh, amen, you got torment uh, about being a Christian, uh, you need to change your motivation or change where you are. Uh, amen. I want you to know uh, that living for God out of fear uh, is in fear. I'll say that again. Living for God out of fear is inferior. When you say, I'm going to serve God so I can miss hell, you missed it. Amen. If you say, I'm going to serve God so I can get away from some fire, you missed it. Because this isn't about fear. This is about love. Come on, can I preach to somebody? Uh, you got to switch your motivation uh, from fear to love. Uh, fear has torments. Uh, fear brings pain. Uh, fear brings anxiety. Uh, but there is a perfect love uh, that casts out all fear. I serve God. I've heard some people say it this way. I serve God because I'm afraid he'll leave me. I live the way I live because I'm afraid God's going to forsake me. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Stop fearing, amen, the unknown. Stop fearing what we already do know. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I don't want to live for God based on my fears, amen, my inadequacies and my deficiencies because God in his eternal grace and in his eternal love is eventually going to deliver me of the debts I showed up with. It might take six years, but the depression's going away. It might take six years, but you'll stop being broke. And there's got to be a motivation that's greater than the fear that brought you into church. Oh, somebody give him praise here tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. I came to preach my heart. I came to preach my heart. It's time for somebody to declare it plainly. I love my master. If you fear going to hell... You will live for God until you no longer fear hell. If you live for God, amen, until you, uh, so you can get out of hell, you'll only serve God until you forget about hell. There's some folks, the only way I'm going to get them saved is if I talk to them and, until they can feel the fire. I won't do that. Not an abusive pastor or person. I won't beat you into heaven. I won't break your legs to get you into heaven. You're going to walk in on both feet. You're going to make the decision. I'm not dragging you. I'm not beating you. If you're going to be saved, it's because you worked out your own salvation with fear. Yeah, there was some fear there. There was some trembling. But ultimately, I came to the final motivation. I love my master. If you live for God just so you go out of hell, 
You will live for God until you have not heard a convicting message about hell in a while. Here we go. I came to talk to us here tonight. This is my biggest candy stick as a pastor. I hope you hear it. I'll say it until I go to heaven. I've met too many people that come to God like he's an abusive father. Your daddy might have beat you, but God won't. He's a heavenly father. He's a loving father, but he's not an abusive father. Come on, somebody give God praise here today. Their obedience to God is fear-based. I know this because I grew up in that kind of environment. I was compliant because I feared my father. I'm preaching really good to some folks. I was a good boy as long as I feared my father. I did what dad wanted because I was afraid of what dad would do if I didn't do what my father wanted. Eventually, I grew out of that fear because I got stronger than my father. Come on, somebody. Eventually, I grew out of that fear. Amen. And eventually, everybody grows out of fear. Because the desire to do what you want eventually exceeds the fear of being caught by your father. I have no doubt Adam and Eve, they stayed away from that tree for a long time. But one day, the desire to get what they wanted exceeded the fear they had of their father. But where the garden went wrong is not that they took the apple and, or the fruit and they ate the fruit. But where it went wrong is they stopped walking with God in the cool of the day. What happened? Their motivation shifted from love to fear and they lost out with God. Somebody lift up your hands. I came to talk to us tonight. Come on, let's pray. It's not about heaven or hell. It's about Jesus. It's not about heaven or hell. It's about loving the master. It's not about fire and the lake of fire. It's about loving Jesus. People that serve God out of fear are short-lived Christians. These are those that live for God as long as they are feeling. I'll just leave it right there. Feeling. Motivated by their feelings. Did I feel him on Wednesday? I'll serve him. Did I feel him on Sunday? I'll serve him. Did I feel convicted about that? I'll serve him. But the Bible talks about a group of people that are past Feeling. You can't live for God based on your feelings. They live for God as long as they are feeling convicted. They live by convictions. I say that in quotes because if it's really a conviction, it's based out of love. But they live for convictions as long as the pastor is harping on them to do so. They show up to church because they don't want to get in trouble with the pastor or with somebody else in the church or a leader, amen, or to lose some kind of air of position and authority in the church. I serve God so that I don't is to serve God so that X, Y, and Z does not happen. Let me explain that in a way everybody's going to understand. 
I am not married to my wife in such a way where she won't divorce me. Come on. I am not married to my, way, my wife in a way where she won't divorce me. I did not stand at the altar and ask her what I could get away with so that she would not leave me. Maybe that's how you stood at the altar. But I believe God can fix your marriage tonight as well. Somebody give God praise here tonight. I don't serve God out of the fear of what I don't want to happen. I don't serve God out of the out of the trepidation of what I don't want to come into my life. Amen. Serving out of fear versus serving in love. There is a big difference. Serving out of fear looks at the bare minimums. What is the bare minimum I have to do and what can I get away with and still make it to heaven? Amen. Let me talk about somebody. Maybe you're not married. Amen. You don't. If you work at your job, amen, out of a fear that you won't be able to pay your bills this month, you're going to think in these terms, what's the least I can do and not get fired, but when you love your job, the boss might have to tell you, go home, spend some time with your family, you've been here too much, but you keep staying late because you have passion for your career, you got passion for your job. Can I preach to somebody about loving the master? I don't serve God for things not to happen. Let me talk about it because we've presented so much holiness and standards in such a negative way that that's all people receive it as. That if you do that, you're going to make it to hell. Or you won't make it to heaven. I don't serve God for things not to happen. I serve God to see things happen. I want to preach a mentality shift in your life. You can take this with the master. You can take this with church. You can take this with your marriage. You can take this with life. I play to win. I do not play not to lose. Some of you got to stop playing to not lose and start playing to win. Don't live for God to not lose. Live for God that you might obtain a higher prize. I press towards the mark of the high calling that's in Jesus. I run this race that I might obtain a crown that is incorruptible. I want you to stand across this building and lift up your hands. Give God praise. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Do you love the master? Do you love the master? Play to win. Play that you might obtain Jesus. Play that you might obtain a better resurrection. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. A praise that is not predicated on how I feel. A praise that is filled with passion. The fruit of my lips that says I love my master and I'll make it public and I'll make it plain. I dance because I love the master. I shout because I love the master. I dress right because I love the master. We got to get some passion back. 
if church is boring to you, if church has gotten stale, you got to change your motivation. Amen. I, I, I want you to know that, 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 that the day I dream for and the day I believe God promised me is there's going to be people lined up outside the doors, not because they're afraid of going to hell, but because they love God and they want to get in the house. The seal of his house has eaten me up. There's going to be people that stay at the altar, and we got to turn off the lights and kick them out. Amen. Because they're in love with the presence of God. I dream of a day when people come to church, amen, and it's the first thing on their list, not the last thing on their list. I dream of a day when people worship God, amen, with all of their hearts, and you have to tell them to quiet down, calm down, chill out. I'd rather slow you down than start you up. I dream of a day where passion enters back into the apostolic church here and as a whole. Where people can't wait. They gotta they gotta bring their own chair. Because there's no seats available on a Wednesday night. I dream of a day, Elder Johnson, where everybody in the church reads their Bible in the year. And some visitors too. You know what that is? Passion. You know what that is? We need to serve God with the right motivation. I love Jesus. Can anybody say that here tonight? I love Jesus. there's anybody in this house that can say with their whole heart, I love Jesus. I hope you love the pastor. I hope you love my wife. But I hope you love Jesus because he's the master. I hope you dress modestly, not because I berate you with it, but because you love the master. I hope you come to church not because you're afraid that I'll see that you're missing, but because you love Jesus. I hope you bring people with you to church because you love Jesus. Please, never let it be said of anybody in this church when asked a question because my pastor told me to. Please never reply to somebody who asks a reason of a hope that lie within you. The Bible says you got to be ready with an answer. Please don't give them a cop-out. Because my pastor told me to. Because it's my religion. Because my parents said so. Make it plain and make it public. It's because I love them. because I love Jesus. I don't preach to you week in and week out because I love to be on the platform. I don't like it. It makes me nervous. It causes me stress. and I can't sleep at night. But, but I do it because I love the Master. 
I traveled the country for years, places that didn't like my ministry because I love the Master. I wonder if there's anybody in this house that maybe it's been a while since you declared your love for Jesus. I go to the prayer room because I love the Master. I live right because I love the Master. Come on, can anybody think about all the good things the Master has done for you? Gave me a wife I don't deserve. I love the Master. Gave you kids you don't deserve. You love the Master here tonight. Gave you a ministry you didn't deserve. I love the Master. I want to open up this altar. Would you come here today? This isn't a fear-based altar call. I hope none of my altar calls ever are. This is a love-based altar call. An opportunity for you to come back to the altar and make it plain again. I love the Master. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray in this house. Maybe right where you are, you can make a declaration that's so plain. I live the way I live because I love Jesus. Ladies, I don't... Come on, ladies, you don't cut your hair not because I told you so or, or just because I preach this or teach that. Amen. Not just because it's our tradition or our religion. Do it because you love the master. You don't wear jewelry not because it's just a standard of the church. No, you do it because you love the master. Uh, you dress modestly not just because you'll be looked down on if you don't. Uh, you do it because you love Jesus. Come on, let's come and pray. Come on, somebody reignite that passion with Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love my master. I love my master, church. I don't care who knows it. And he will serve him forever. And if God will help me, I will serve him forever. If God will help me, I'll live in the master's house forever. If the Lord will help me, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If God will help me, I'll live this apostolic life forever. If God will help me because I love the master. Come on, as they sing, I want us to pray. Find a place where you can just make it plain and public to your God. I love you, Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Is the best thing I've ever 
As you pray, I feel the love of God entering this house. Perfect love is casting out all fear. You don't have to live for God out of fear anymore. No more torment in your walk with God. There's love.
on. He's in this house. Somebody love him. Come on, somebody love him. Come on, there's people in this house. And they're, they're, they're wondering, do, that, do they love Jesus? Make it public, make it plain. I willingly declare I love Jesus. Part of this ritual. It had to be willing. God will work with reluctant people. He will. He'll work with Jonah. He'll work with me. He'll work with all of us. <laughs> but what God looks for is willing. And for every person that was reluctant, he'll find find an Isaiah that God says who can I send he said I'm not perfect I've got problems I'm a man of unclean lips and there's a whole bunch of people with unclean lips but here I am Lord send me God is looking for a willing church I believe in this city and in this region the key to revival is a willing heart. People that say, I'm going to serve God with all my heart, and it's a willing heart. I do this because I love Jesus. Would you lift up your hands one more time as you pray? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, and nobody's forcing me to worship. That's where the greatest worship comes from, from a willing heart. God, I'm a giver not because anybody forces me to be, but because I do it willingly. Amen. I don't do it, amen, begrudgingly. I do it willingly. My time, my energy, my talents. Amen. I, everything I have, God, my treasures, I do it willingly, God. Amen. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave this house, God, if there's any area where I have slipped in my love or my declaration of love for you, would you help re-motivate me, not by fear or by punishment or judgment, but God, would you re-navigate me to those areas in your love that I would go back to serving you as Revelation says, returning to my first love. I pray, God, that ARC would be a church that loves the Master. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Come on, somebody give God praise. Come on, when you come to church, it's willing. My hand clap is willing. My shout is willing. My dance is willing. And I give it all to the master that I love in Jesus' name. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. God bless you. We will see you.